0: The big news story this week is obviously the midterm election, but it is not cooperating with our usual Sunday release.
1: Hmm. We'd like to have as accurate information as possible before we start pretending that we know what we're talking about. So we're going to put off our recording a few days while we wait for Arizona and Nevada to get their heads out of their asses. And <laughs> don't even get me started on Georgia. Oh, <laughs> in the meantime, though. The other big news story, near and dear I know to Kelly's heart, is the complete anarchy taking place on the interwebs in the Twitterverse.
0: Conveniently, the oracles that we are, we already published an episode on the Musk Twitter takeover back in July, and we thought it would be worthwhile to revisit it now. You can still look for this week's election analysis in a couple of days, but to tide you over if you haven't already listened to this episode, we think it's well worth your time.
1: Now that we've been doing this podcast thing for over a year now, it's also just fun from time to time to look back and see how our predictions hold up to the way these situations actually play out. And right off the bat, neither of us thought the takeover would actually come to fruition. We thought Musk would pay a fine and then things would be business as usual. So... We're going to go ahead and delete that part of the episode so you don't have to waste time listening to anything irrelevant and so we can erase the record of us being real wrong.
0: Also, you said that he was in favor of an edit button and that would be good for Twitter. I don't see any edit button for all of us. Um, We also didn't really foresee the massive layoffs.
1: Mm, And then the subsequent begging people to come back. (laughs) Also... You said that you wouldn't be leaving Twitter no matter what. Is that still the case? Well, realistically, I might not have a choice. Um,
0: Twitter might not be around in a few more days, so I won't leave, but they're going to probably end up kicking me out if that's the case.
1: Wait, it won't be around in a few days?
0: There are so many things that are happening right now in Twitter that signal an impending collapse. It's got a very... Last day of school vibe going on where people are exchanging phone numbers and telling each other to have a great summer and what have you. Like this is the last time we'll all see each other in our normal um playground.
1: <laughs> all I knew about was uh Musk walking into the headquarters with a sink and firing a whole bunch of people. <laughs> oh, and the blue check mark.
0: Yeah. There's so much. Beyond that, that's absolutely wild. But the blue check mark has created a lot of issues, especially in the last couple of days with the new pay for verification or pay for a blue check mark, which doesn't actually count as verification because there's a different thing that verifies identity. There's an official badge now. But anyway, that could be not the case in a few hours because he's gone back and forth on that a couple of times. But the blue check mark, the blue check mark, people are paying for it. And then impersonating other accounts that are actual official brands or government organizations and wreaking utter chaos across Twitter as a result.
1: Uh, so people assume they're the real thing because they have the blue check mark, but really they're just some troll that paid eight bucks.
0: Yeah, exactly. And what's happening is that some of these brands that are being impersonated are would be or current advertisers with Twitter. And their dissatisfaction with how Elon is running things could signal that they would no longer want to put their money into a failing corporation, essentially. Also, it's pretty hilarious.
1: I know that Musk bought this thing for $44 billion. Uh, Are you suggesting it was probably a bad purchase on his part?
0: Yeah, he also had to take financing out to do it. And that um, could potentially signal bad things for Tesla because I believe some of the money that he borrowed was through sale of Tesla stock. And the value of Twitter is plummeting rapidly. So he <laughs> he has a failing asset on his hands and no, um, no uh, liquid cash to do anything about it.
1: Do you think that the Indubitably podcast is famous enough for somebody to want to impersonate us with a $8 blue check mark?
0: I think if Twitter survives the weekend, we might just be.
1: Well, if you see any crazy tweets coming from the Indubitably account at Indubitably Pod, it's either an impersonator or probably just me. <laughs> you don't tweet much. Uh, not as much as we should.
0: <laughs> we made a commitment to try to do more of that, but it sounds like that decision might no longer be available to us pretty soon.
1: Well, in that case, our Facebook is also at Indubitably Pod.
0: And that's not going anywhere.
1: Probably. Oh, Zuckerberg fired a bunch of people too.
0: Oh no. (laughs) All right. All that being said, for your listening pleasure, here is Twitter versus Elon Musk, Clash of the Tech Titans. Extra, extra, read all about it. Podcast
1: tackles controversies that define your world. Listen to Incubitably now. Extra, extra. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Indubitably. Hello, Kelly. Hello, Josh. Did you see the top tech article on the BBC today?
0: You know what? I did not.
1: You're slacking. I'll read it to you. Shaking head and mean goose among new emojis. Okay. I guess every year, the company that does the iPhone emojis releases a new list. And this year, we're getting 31 of them, including this goose, which is based on the untitled goose game. Have you ever played that?
0: I have not, but I know many aficionados of the game.
1: It's amazing for our listeners that don't know, you basically play a goose and you just run around and terrorize this British town. Mm -hmm. It's awesome. And now you can send that as an emoji.
0: Well, that's fantastic. Um, I think everybody needs to welcome chaotic geese into their lives and their iPhones.
1: (laughs) And then along with the goose is apparently this shaking head emoji, which hopefully nobody listening to our podcast has to use in response to the things we say.
0: Mm-hmm. I do know that there's a, a new emoji I've been using quite a bit, which is the melting face emoji. Mm. Not only because it's summer, but it kind of encapsulates the whole experience of living in the year of 2022.
1: <laughs> mm. What is your most used emoji?
0: It's a side eye one. It's just kind of like a disgruntled look in the side eye.
1: Is that just because when we text, you use that one a lot?
0: Uh, well, I'm not going to say that's not the case, but I, <laughs> I, I think you'll appreciate knowing that I text that to almost everybody I know.
1: All right. All right. As long as it's not just me. <laughs> no. Apparently, I use the monkey covering its eyes emoji a lot, according to my frequently used section.
0: The one I get from you a lot is the
1: flexing arm one. Yeah, because we're, we're killing it.
0: Whenever we agree on a plan or something goes really well, like we actually record.
1: <laughs> <laughs> See, well, you know, that's good. That means that we uh, agree a lot. Okay, we don't agree a lot, but we agree enough that flexing arm has made it into frequently used. <laughs> if you weren't keeping up on emojis and angry geese, I'm sure you were probably keeping up on the second tech article on the BBC, the Elon Musk Twitter a hostile takeover, and subsequent retreat, and the madness that has followed.
0: I'm against my will becoming quite familiar with this issue.
1: Flexing arm emoji. (laughs) And here's where we cut the part where we were totally wrong about Musk paying a fine and walking away from this whole situation. Moving on, what's interesting about this, though, is regardless of what happens, there is a question, and when when the deal was first proposed, Is Elon Musk good for Twitter, right? For all of us that use it and the world as a whole, would an Elon Musk takeover be a positive thing or a negative thing?
0: Well, that probably depends on your opinion of Elon Musk overall. There are a lot of people who venerate him and there are a lot of people who are wary of him.
1: Well, okay. First of all, right off the bat, he seems to be in favor of an edit button. So I think obviously he's good for Twitter.
0: Okay. We'll hash that out later. That's an interesting
1: dispute. (laughs) <laughs> but more okay more seriously his purchase according to him is motivated by his perspective as a quote free speech absolutist and he's also been quoted as saying that given twitter serves as the de facto public town square failing to adhere to free speech principles fundamentally undermines democracy
0: that's an interesting stance considering that twitter is a private corporation and does not have to adhere to the same free speech standards of say the United States government, but there are also some potential pitfalls of allowing unfettered free speech on the platform. This is the same platform that permanently banned Donald Trump from having an account there, for instance.
1: Mm-hmm. That's part of the issue here is the idea that in the constitution, at least, our free speech is protected from the government. That's because at the writing of the Constitution, our government was the thing that would either uphold or undermine democracy. But as Musk points out, nowadays, social media does just as much to define democracy and elections as the government does. So even though typically or traditionally corporations haven't had to protect free speech in the same way the government has, maybe companies that fill the role that Twitter does should fall under similar standards.
0: I think that Twitter is quite important for social discourse and political discourse as are many other venues for easily accessible news and controversy and discussion, but the expectations that these sorts of arenas have to operate the same way as government entities do I think might set a dangerous precedent in how other companies organize themselves or social media organizations going to have maybe like a different legal standard for how they treat free speech and therefore what they're susceptible to when users violate their terms of service?
1: Well, I think that would be an interesting discussion and potential episode of whether or not apps like this or social media or even news media platforms should be forced to uphold free speech standards. But in this case, I think that the conversation, what's interesting is we have Seemingly a dichotomy between Elon Musk, who says he will voluntarily do it, and the current board, who has done things like kicking Trump off of the platform, in stark contrast to one of the specific policies that Musk said he would implement, would be to allow Trump back on Twitter. Even though Trump said, I wouldn't come back on even if they asked me to.
0: Well, he said a lot of things. (laughs) This is true. But he later went
1: back on just not on Twitter recently.
0: No, but I imagine if he was welcomed back, he
1: would come back. But I think the other question then is, if Musk does create this platform where anybody can say anything, does that self-regulate? I think that's kind of his point, is that we have this de facto public town square, as he calls it, and if we put every idea out there, um, this is a traditional defense of free speech, the good ideas will rise to the top, and the bad ideas will get weeded out naturally.
0: I can understand why he might believe that, but Twitter doesn't really operate that way. What happens is that most people get exposed to things that kind of reinforce their own worldview. And the creation of echo chambers within Twitter is really prevalent and and very easy to happen. You choose to follow a few people who align with your political beliefs Then you see recommended accounts and tweets from people who share similar beliefs. And suddenly you never get any exposure to any of the other ideas that are on the other side of the political spectrum. It's, it's very easy. It's very common.
1: Right. But in that same system, doesn't that allow people to also unfollow or ignore or ostracize individuals who are making wild claims? So as we create our bubbles, if there's legitimate news or legitimate ideas that bubble is going to be significantly larger than a bubble that's putting forth things like hate speech, misinformation, etc.
0: Well how do you define legitimate news?
1: Well this is the idea of self-regulation. It's crowdsourced. It's like Yelp for news.
0: Well the problem is that the crowd right now is starting to cast aspersions upon the legitimacy of actual journalist organizations that typically have had a lot of credibility. The wisdom of the crowd can start to look like a mob with pitchforks and torches in in an environment like Twitter.
1: So is that up to then the board of Twitter to decide things like Trump? This guy is bad for the discourse. This is a bubble we don't want to create. And so we're taking him off because it's not a matter of the mob versus nobody making a decision. It's a matter of the mob versus the board at Twitter making that decision.
0: I think regardless of who's making the decisions, whether it's the board with or without Elon Musk, I don't think they fully understand the social dynamics of actually being a small account on Twitter and what that typical user would experience. It's like a principal saying we're issuing a no bullying campaign and then has no idea about all of the clicks that are happening in all of the classrooms at that school. They just don't, they don't understand what it's like to be a very small fish in this very large pond.
1: I just have an image right now of Elon Musk leading an army of Twitterers with little speech bubbles above their head (laughs) and all of the symbols that designate curse words just storming the castle of Twitter.
0: That's a pretty funny visual. And I hope someone draws it.
1: I just watched Lord of the Rings last week, and I think that's where it's coming from. Elon Musk is Aragorn. Oh, no. Yeah, that kind of kills it, doesn't it?
0: No, don't do that.
1: (laughs) Okay, I'll take it back. I'll edit that out. No, I won't. No, <laughs> Just, there's probably a better character.
0: He's that one that um, sits there. What's his name? Wormtongue?
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just speaking his little lies into the ears of the king. I think on this idea of crowdsourcing legitimacy, I guess that's the best way of saying it. There's another quote by Musk where he states kind of a sub-goal to this, and that is his desire to create a site where the public can rate the core truth of any article and track the credibility score over time of each journalist, editor, and publication. So it sounds like he's pretty explicitly calling for a Yelp for news, news media, and news people.
0: Well, we know how Yelp operates. There are people who only ever get involved with providing a review when they're dissatisfied with something which can overstate how bad something is, even if it overall is generally pleasing to most people. And then there are a few super users who review everything, positive or negative. Are people really going to be equitable with how they review news sources, or are they going to pile on the things that they think are disagreeable?
1: I don't know. I've always been a believer in the idea that more information is better than less information. and If there's enough people out there that feel negatively enough about an article or particular channel or account that they want to go and dislike it, and there aren't equivalent people that feel positively strongly about that account to balance that out, I think that says something.
0: I do think that people have their own opinions and are responsible for their own behaviors. But we also see a lot of people on Twitter who are easily whipped up into a frenzy by larger accounts and are swayed by the rhetoric of people who hold positions of power, specifically verified users. The fact that there are people who are verified on Twitter, which was just initially put there to make sure that the person you were interacting with was actually the person they said that they were, but now is a clout based system, at least as the public perceives it. So a verified user who has a lot of followers could say, hey, everybody, this article does not pass the vibe check. Why don't you go downvote Mm -hmm. it? (laughs) And that might actually do something.
1: But here's the thing is everything you're talking about is happening right now without Musk taking it over. And so if he's looking to standardize and actually put some effort and put some attention into these systems, Right? Whether they're formalized systems that are actually built into Twitter or whether they're sort of ad hoc systems that the user base has sort of created, wouldn't that be a step in the right direction over the status quo? I think
0: I'd have to reserve judgment. And uh, I know I'm never leaving Twitter, regardless of how bad it gets. So if he does end up taking the helm, I'm sure I'll find out.
1: <laughs> I guess it depends on, let's say we answered all of these questions. Yes, we think free speech is good. We want everybody on, we want Trump back on, we want to allow it to self-regulate, we want to allow it to be crowdsourced, you know, in terms of ratings, even if we think that would all be good, do we believe him, right? Do we believe that Elon Musk has these motivations in mind, that this is what he's going after? Or does he have some sort of nefarious motivations?
0: I don't believe him.
1: No, (laughs) that was quick.
0: Yeah, I think that he's had a lot of performance that counteracts what his rhetoric is saying now with his approach to Twitter. He has come after people who've criticized him heavily. He's even fired people from his company who've come after him. So if he really is committed to free speech, we wouldn't see that sort of bristling at the criticism that people are levying towards him. He would welcome it and engage with it.
1: That's true. And I think that that is a sentiment that's been certainly echoed in the media where They say that Musk might be motivated by a desire to shut down some sort of real or perceived bias towards him and his companies. This is including things like what you mentioned criticisms of Tesla after, say, autopiloted car accidents or efforts of the company to suppress union organization.
0: Or people who commonly bring up that the reason he was able to invest in companies from the start was because. He got his seed money from his apartheid emerald mine owning dad.
1: Maybe we should be careful about pointing stuff like that out because then if he does take over Twitter, we might get kicked off of it.
0: I'm, I'm willing to risk it. I'll just start another account.
1: <laughs> I'm pretty sure that out of all the media out there, the indubitably podcast is the one that Musk is most worried about.
0: We are a threat and we are coming for him.
1: Our hordes of followers, <laughs> Indubitablyers, Ugh. We probably need a better word than that.
0: That's a good challenge. If people have suggestions, I'd love to hear it. On our Twitter? <laughs> On our Twitter. Yeah, at Pod, Let us know what you, the listeners, would like to be
1: called. Y'all. That's my generic reference to whoever happens to be listening. Gender neutral. I like it. Mm-hmm. I think the other issue here is if we don't believe Musk, There's really no way for us to check him at the point where he takes over the entire company as opposed to a 9.2% stakeholder or just one person on a board. When he takes complete control, he could claim to be in favor of free speech, but he could be censoring some things. And what are those things? Is that happening? How do we know? Not really sure.
0: The only way that people could check it if they really disagreed with how he was running the company, would be to leave Twitter altogether as a platform. There have been a few attempts at doing that previously where people started to create Discord groups or go to other social media platforms, but people consistently return to Twitter. So the threat of leaving, I don't think, is a very realistic one.
1: I mean, in similar companies, I'm thinking of Facebook or Meta now. The only way we get this information is through whistleblowers. Right, People that are willing to risk their job or used to be or risk litigation, because even when they quit, a lot of times there's non-disclosure agreements that are in place. Um, And then go to news media and try to spill the beans on some of the stuff that's going on behind the scenes. Oh, that rhymed.
0: You're a poet and you didn't even know you were saying words that rhymed.
1: (laughs) You're not going for you're a poet and you didn't even know it?
0: No, I'm making a Brooklyn Nine-Nine joke.
1: Oh, I missed that one. Fail. I'm going to edit that out too. Okay. No, I'm not.
0: Free speech, Josh.
1: Mm, But so Elon Musk is certainly not the only billionaire to try and do something like this. We talked earlier about Mr. Trump getting kicked off of Twitter. And so his plan was to start up his own social media platform, which was or is Truth Social.
0: I'm not the only person who's pointed out the irony of calling it Truth Social.
1: And it was pretty widely considered a failure, at least the launch most certainly was. But maybe that's proof that self-regulation works. The things you were talking about earlier, these bubbles you were talking about, most certainly Truth Social was designed for a very specific bubble. And uh, if it has failed as a new and emerging social media platform, then maybe that would suggest that the general public is capable of regulating itself. For new social media platforms that are trying to cater their content
0: towards a specific ideology or viewpoint... I think it makes sense that they're not going to be as large as other social media companies. And I think that they're probably content with serving a niche market because it gets them a diehard group of consumers that are willing to participate and insulates them from criticism. And sure, it won't be as profitable as something like Twitter or Facebook, but it would be catered to a specific group of people who are willing to stick with it for a long time.
1: It's ironic, I guess, that the news of Truth Social being a failure was disseminated through all of its competition, the other media platforms, Twitter included. To give a sense of scale here, though, Twitter has 217 million daily users, and Truth Social has 513,000. So that means Twitter has 400 times the users that Truth Social does. But still, 513,000 people can do a lot.
0: Yeah, that's plenty of people who could sway elections even.
1: Yeah, I don't think it took 513,000 people to commit the Capitol riots, for example.
0: I'd imagine if it had been 513,000 people descending on DC. That would have been... (laughs) Game over. Ridiculous.
1: And it's not just the people there that are on Truth Social, but I think a lot of them also exist on other platforms. And you know that allows them to take the messaging from Truth Social and then spread it to places like Twitter or Facebook. So I don't know. We were sold this narrative that it was a failure. The launch, I know, technologically was a failure. It certainly hasn't taken over Twitter like Trump suggested that it would or put Facebook out of business like Trump suggested that it would. But you know, if I started a social media network, I don't think I would get a half a million people. Don't sell yourself short. <laughs> That's true. I would get double that strong arm emoji.
0: If you wanted to lead a company like Truth Social, but have it be like your own social media network, just become president, inspire an insurrection, have a lot of dubious amounts of money and never, ever release your tax returns to anyone. And then, bam, you've got
1: it. All right. Step one, (laughs) become president. I'm on it. (laughs) And Musk and Trump are not the only people that have tried to take this route. Jeff Bezos, one of our favorite people to talk about, bought the Washington Post in 2013. And a lot of the same fears that we're listing with Musk now were obviously brought up at the time. And it's been almost 10 years. And realistically, it seems that all he's done is modernize and and stabilize the paper.
0: Washington Post is still considered a pretty credible paper and it is widely read. It's one of the few media organizations that seems to be coming out of the digital age intact. However, a lot of the editorials that are coming out seem to skew in the favor of big business and billionaires talking about hey maybe we shouldn't tax them so much or hey maybe going to space for fun is actually great for people and things that I don't think most people would typically agree with if they didn't have a vested interest in supporting their billionaire boss.
1: But do you think a couple articles like that here and there undermines the credibility of the paper as a whole? And do you think that this might serve as a lens into what a company like Twitter might look like under the control of Musk? I think if we had to pick somebody that was Musk's equivalent, Jeff Bezos would have to be on the shortlist.
0: Perhaps. I just know that in my little Twitter circle, my little Twitter echo chamber, the only WAPO articles I'm seeing now are when people share the op-eds that seem to kiss Bezos' ass.
1: I mean, if you owned a newspaper, you're not telling me that every once in a while you'd sneak in an article that tells people that you're great?
0: No, everyone already knows I'm great. And also my ego is not as
1: fragile as Jeff Bezos's is. Hmm, speaking of bubbles. <laughs> so besides these guys, another one that might be a counterexample, I think would be Rupert Murdoch the owner of Fox news who does not use his station credibly or accountably or any responsibly or any of the ease that we would like a newspaper to be.
0: Exactly. Fox news has definitely skewed towards becoming more of a, an entertainment based quote unquote news network. It even has gone so far as to legally secure its right to lie to its audience. Um, it calls itself the news, and it kind of is like it reports on current events, issues and things like that. but it's not actively presenting this balanced, considering it used to say it was fair and balanced, right? Mm. <laughs> it's It's definitely only displaying half of the issue and when it's going to bring people on to say have a debate about an issue the people that they're bringing in to represent the the size they disagree with are largely bad representatives of those stances
1: fox news is sort of like to news what the wwe is to sports
0: hey there's some real athleticism
1: (laughs) but at least the wwe claims that it is sports entertainment not sports. Mm -hmm. Maybe Fox news should rebrand as news entertainment.
0: I don't think that there's going to be much that that would do to diminish its credibility in the eyes of a very specific audience that it has cultivated. There are a lot of people who are, you know, maybe older generations who just get so compelled to watch all of their programming and repeat it. And the misinformation that's coming out of it, the obvious fallacious reasoning that's coming out of it it's really hard to counterbalance that when they refuse to engage with any media that comes from any other sources
1: that's true another interesting hear me out on this one another potential billionaire turned media conglomerate might be elon musk but in a different way <laughs> if the if the deal falls through he might revert to one of the ideas he's toyed with in the past And that would be competing with Twitter through his own new social media platform. Uh, He said in the past that this is an idea that he is quote giving serious thought to. Uh, Ironically, he said that through a tweet. He
0: said a lot of things, much like Trump, that didn't actually come to fruition. Like that he was going to fix
1: Flint. (laughs) He's also said a lot of things that have come to fruition, and you know, it kind of makes you wonder with. Everything he has to focus on from self-driving cars to artificial intelligence, to space travel, to building underground transportation networks in Los Angeles, to satellite internet networks, which have done a lot of good in Ukraine, something we talked about in an earlier episode. Is there something so wrong with Twitter that it justifies his attention?
0: Now we get to talk about the evils of Twitter in and of itself.
1: Yeah, I think let's say put Musk aside for a second. Plain and simple is Twitter good or is Twitter bad for society at large.
0: So we discussed earlier the concepts of free speech versus censorship when it pertains to a private corporation handling the content that users put on it. Specifically, how does Twitter handle misinformation and hate speech now?
1: Mhm. Yeah, Twitter has what some people are calling a Nazi problem,
0: this is an interesting problem to approach with a corporation such as Twitter because it seems very hesitant, slash unwilling to get rid of them on the American side of the platform. But it has taken action against them on the German side of the platform, where such ideology
1: is actually illegal, so do you think that that is hypocritical, or do you think it's just consistently, following the law of the country that it's operating in?
0: For a lot of people who are frustrated with how Twitter is handling this problem, it points to an unwillingness to address a major issue unless it's legally compelled to do so. It can, it has, but only when it's been forced to by government regulations that tells people that they value whatever contribution the accounts that's about Nazi rhetoric are putting on the platform more than they value the feelings that the victims of that rhetoric are experiencing.
1: Well, and and here, I think we have to bring up the fact that, and this is what makes it interesting. If you don't want to read this stuff, you don't have to be on Twitter. You are voluntarily consuming anything that you see in an app that you have to voluntarily download onto your phone and then voluntarily open and voluntarily follow an account voluntarily read a tweet, like every step of the way, you have the opportunity to not see these things. Does that change the responsibility of the app to remove content?
0: It's not isolated to Twitter is the problem. There are ways that you can avoid seeing the Nazi rhetoric when you're actually on the platform, but the way that they are using Twitter to organize and call to action and to do things to people who are not on Twitter such as doxing people and things like that that have real-world implications for people that they're targeting, that's the kind of thing that Twitter should be actively shutting down. And it currently is just kind of letting it fester. Furthermore, the only option for people being leave Twitter is really unrealistic when you consider all of the things that people use Twitter for and they need to be on the platform for. They network on Twitter They self promote if they are a small business or a performer of any kind or a writer.
1: Or podcast.
0: Or podcast. And the platform is so valuable to reach a large audience that to say, hey, you're being victimized by a group of people, but you're the one who should leave the playground is really unfair to all of the people who are saying, let's make the playground like a better place to play.
1: But I think this is what makes it complicated because if we go back to our question earlier about free speech, And the fact that we pointed out that typically um, the inability to censor free speech only applies to governments and not corporations, because of everything you're saying right now, Twitter and Facebook and these other social media platforms kind of operate in a limbo between corporation and government. In a lot of ways, they do more to determine our democratic system than a government does. So at the same time you're pointing out the problems of a platform like Twitter not censoring people, are we not also making an argument that would suggest that shouldn't be allowed to?
0: There are always going to be limits on acceptable speech. We've talked about this before on other episodes about at what point we can actually limit speech as a government, that the right is not absolute. And even if we still want to encourage as much discourse and exchange of ideas as possible on Twitter, there are going to have to be limits. There are limits that they currently do utilize. People can report tweets for speech that might incite hate or violence or things like that, but there's not a lot of preventative action that discourages that speech from happening in the first place. And that's something that the company could do.
1: So maybe Twitter is making the world a better place by giving a platform to people like us or whoever wants to get their voice out there and wouldn't be able to traditionally. So that's all good. But at the same time, now they're holding those same people hostage to their platform while allowing hate speech and misinformation, which we can talk about right now, to fester alongside of the valuable content. So. That's a tough decision. Would we be able to get the quality information out there and give exposure to people who wouldn't normally without Twitter, in which case Twitter seems like an unnecessary evil? Or is this the only way that can happen? In which case, maybe it's a net good, despite some of the problems we're pointing out.
0: Twitter can do more to set up a structure that promotes accuracy and discourages hate from the get-go. Perhaps all users should be verified, for instance, not just the really big famous accounts so that we don't get people being pushed to do or not do something by someone that they think is a celebrity but is actually just impersonating one. There are ways that they could employ a lot more manpower or woman power into screening accounts for hate rather than just responding to complaints. These things cost money and they take time. Twitter has money. Maybe it has the time too.
1: Or they could implement a crowdsourcing system to rate the quality of the accounts.
0: Oh no, I just feel like that scene in a movie where the weapon gets turned on the person wielding it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Elon Musk coming back through strong. No. <laughs> so it's not just hate speech, but you know, given the recent pandemic, have, have people stopped saying like, given the unprecedented times we're in, Have we at least made it past that stage of the pandemic by now?
0: That was not a really big Twitter thing. That was mostly when your boss emails you.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but it was still meme worthy. Sure.
0: During these unprecedented times.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, now we're at the point where, so given the precedented times that COVID is a thing and has been a thing for a long time, I think also misinformation, which is not hate speech, but could be equally damaging, is probably something that we should spend a bit of time talking about.
0: Right. Misinformation across the whole platform has always been a problem, but the specific prevalence of COVID misinformation in 2020 was so bad that Twitter was actually compelled to take action. And they began adding disclaimers to posts that seemed to lie or maybe they just didn't know any better, but directing people to resources to find accuracy about what Covid actually was, and how it gets transmitted and treated.
1: Yeah, for for those of you that have not been with us since the beginning, our very first episode was actually about mandatory vaccination, and I thought it was interesting when we tweeted out that we had released that episode. Our tweet got flagged um, with a link to where people could find accurate information about COVID, mm-hmm. and I was a little bit insulted. I was like, are they implying that (laughs) our information is not accurate?
0: They just didn't know you well enough yet.
1: That's true. So Twitter did take steps towards ensuring, at least on this particular issue, that the information that was out there on its platform was accurate. And I think that they did similar things when it came to the accusations of election tampering. Mm
0: hmm. They have um, specific issues that have garnered enough discourse and have enough importance to require them to intervene. But what's notable about these things is that even when posts went up that were clearly misinformed or had details that were completely inaccurate, we got a disclaimer, but those posts were still allowed to stay on the platform. And for people who are already skeptical of a lot of the authority who are talking about you know the medical infrastructure that is poisoning our kids or whatever, they might see that as a badge of honor that if Twitter is putting a disclaimer on this post, it means I should believe it because Twitter is a tool of the mainstream thought police or whatever.
1: That's true. And it's been about three years since a lot of people were getting vaccinated. So at a certain point, all of these side effects are going to start showing up. I'm looking forward to my third arm or whatever's supposed to happen.
0: Bill Gates knows where I am right now. And I don't know if he cares. He hasn't sent a card or anything.
1: (laughs) So uh, I know in the majority of cases, like you're saying, you're going to get a warning uh, if a tweet might be misinforming. But in general, the tweet would be left on the platform. But there have been some people, and you've got to be a real clown for this to happen, but there have been some people, Trump, that have been deplatformed
0: deep platforming in and of itself is also controversial because a lot of people say don't take people off of the platform who are ideologically opposed to you because then you can't engage in the marketplace of ideas and actually debate them but a lot of people who have created a lot of negative discourse and ultimately got themselves kicked off of social media kind of have faded into the background and aren't really making as much Have a presence in these spaces anymore.
1: That's true. I think people like Milo Yiannopoulos Mm -hmm. was pretty big for a while.
0: Mm Yeah, and Richard Spencer too. I'm not sure the extent of deplatforming Richard Spencer was the same as Milo, but they are both very much out of the talk show circuit. They're not really discussed much anymore. Um, Richard Spencer even came out recently after some people found out. That he was, I think, getting married or something, and said that he didn't really believe in those things
1: anymore. Good job, Twitter. They changed his mind. <laughs>
0: I don't know if it was Twitter. I think that was that all of the platforms together agreed to deplatform these people who were basically spouting hate. The problem mm-hmm. with things like Donald Trump is that not only are other platforms allowing him to stay on, He's gone and created his own because he had the capital and the cult of personality to do so.
1: Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, if you are going to be deplatforming people or, or taking them, even if removing individual tweets, I know Twitter doesn't do this much, but a lot of other apps are pretty liberal with their deleting of accounts or temporaries or permanent bans. And I know sometimes when we put out our tweets for the show. I mistype something, or there's an autocorrect. Uh, you know, I'm human. I mess up, and it would be really nice if Twitter just had an edit button where I could take back some of the mistakes instead of deleting it and starting all over from the beginning.
0: The edit button does present an attractive option for making sure I spelled everything correctly retroactively. I have I have that problem as well, but there are some legitimate concerns for the way. An edit button might contribute to the misinformation or people acting in bad faith about what they actually believe. When people put out a tweet that says something extremely offensive, and rather than completely delete it, they go back and edit it and soften the language and make it appear less vitriolic than it was initially. And that can insulate them from a lot of deserved criticism.
1: That's true. We, we just mentioned these people who are being deplatformed, and it's for a reason. It's for some of the things they said. And I guess them thinking better of something they said a week later and changing it uh, is a bit revisionist history, has, a feel, has that kind of feel to it at least.
0: Also, I'm not sure the edit button would really help anyone in either of those cases, the, the sender of the information or the receiver, because most of the time people put out an extremely controversial tweet people will screenshot it immediately because the fear is that they'll then delete the tweet. Mm. Often now they'll keep the tweet up and just turn off the replies on it so that they don't get direct criticism. But otherwise, a lot of people who get called out about how offensive something they said was, they'll just delete the the tweet entirely. But screenshots are forever.
1: (laughs) That is the truth. I found that out the hard way. Oh, is there a story? No, no, just arguments.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That one time you said something really awful and dot, dot, dot.
1: I promise it wasn't that.
0: (laughs) Another criticism of what an edit button might enable people with malicious intent to do on Twitter is that a popular tweet that gains a lot of traction and gets retweeted quite a bit onto other people's timelines could then be changed to express something different than the initial sentiment that it once expressed. And then suddenly my, I think democracy is great and that everybody should have access to voting without any restrictions turns into, you know, voter ID laws are actually really effective. Mm. (laughs) And, And suddenly it looks like I'm sharing that, that, that opinion, even though it's definitely not something I would have shared
1: initially. Or even worse, somebody tweets, I love cats. And we retweet it and like it. And then they change it to, I love dogs. The humanity. I'm just kidding. I actually like dogs better. Don't tell my cat.
0: I don't not love dogs.
1: <laughs> I do love dogs. They're okay. We need an indubitably dog. Do we? That has a ring to it.
0: Indubitably dog. Maybe that's our listeners. The indubitably, dogs.
1: <laughs> the indubitably dog pound. <laughs> so I think something that's important to note here is that Twitter is not just this altruistic organization at the moment that's making decisions about all of these things that we're discussing out of the goodness of its board's hearts um, this is not um, to bring it back to Elon Musk this is not Elon Musk versus Board of Angels you know with all of our best interests in mind this is Elon Musk versus an organization that makes its decisions based on maximizing profit and the company's subsequent value which is estimated about $5 billion a year. And nearly 85% of that $5 billion comes from ad revenue. So I think another thing we need to discuss here when we're talking about is Twitter good or is Twitter bad is how do advertisements play into the contribution or detriment that the app makes from society as a whole.
0: Much like any other social media company where you are not paying to utilize it, That is because you are the product, that your attention is being bought and sold via advertising. And sometimes on Twitter, it can become really excessive. Not only can every other tweet on your timeline be a promoted one, but now they're starting to put promoted tweets in the reply thread to specific tweets as well. So you'll see somebody say cats are great. And then someone will reply, but dogs are better. And then there'll be like a tweet right below it for
1: Applebee's. <laughs> we can all agree that Applebee's is not great.
0: <laughs> but they have all the flair.
1: So besides ads being annoying, which I definitely agree with, there's a more substantial impact to this. In order to maximize ads, Twitter has a vested interest in keeping you on the app. And that seems straightforward. But the thing is, what keeps you on the app is not always the most accurate or highest quality information. People want to hear, A, opinions they agree with, and B, increasingly extreme versions of those opinions. And that's what keeps you hooked, and that's what keeps you scrolling. So in order to generate that 85% of their $5 billion a year, Twitter has a vested interest in ensuring that they show you extreme enough or scandalous enough content that you don't look away.
0: I've been noticing this a lot more as a Twitter user over the past few months, that a lot more tweets are winding their way into my timeline with the, because you liked a tweet from blah, blah, blah account, or because you liked similar tweets or something like that. And I'm getting tweets that might also fit that framework of what I like. Fortunately, because my account is locked and I don't engage with politics very much on there, most of those tweets are either memes or drag queen accounts. So I'm fine with it. Keep showing me more drag queen <laughs> content. I'm, I'm happy to, to engage with that content, but it is keeping me on the app longer and it's exposing me to more advertising.
1: Mm-hmm. Me, on the other hand, trying to do research for this show, I look up all sorts of things that I might not necessarily agree with and the resulting... Suggestions that I get from my various social media accounts sometimes are a little bit annoying.
0: We get it. You use Twitter for more noble reasons than I do.
1: (laughs) Basically, that's what I'm trying to say here. I think it's interesting, though. We did talk about deplatforming certain people and we talked about the removal of the most, you know, maybe quote, dangerous tweets or dangerous users. But it's a bit hypocritical for Twitter to be literally promoting extreme ideologies and pushing its users towards the fringe. But then when they cross over some imaginary arbitrary line and become too dangerous, then they cancel those people. It seems like they're creating the very problem that now they're having to deal with.
0: I'm sure Twitter would explain that as we're giving the people what they want. We are not actively Creating the content that is more extreme, or just using an algorithm to point them in the direction they already seem headed, therefore, if they didn't like the extremist viewpoint, they wouldn't have engaged with it in the first place.
1: That's very chicken and eggy and very snowbally and very disingenuous, in my opinion. Hmm. So again, we come to a place where Twitter is providing a service at a cost. And I guess if we were trying to decide, is Twitter good or bad in general, we need to decide, A, is the service worth the cost? Or potentially, B, would there be an alternative out there that would fix this? Uh, Maybe something like a paid option rather than an advertisement model.
0: Twitter has recently started to play in the subscriber space with Twitter Blue, it's a paid option that has some features associated with it that are not that exciting, like Undo Tweet. I can delete a tweet too. I don't need to pay for it. Mm-hmm. But one of the biggest features of Twitter Blue is that you would have a Twitter experience that is free of advertising, kind of like streaming services. There's regular Hulu that, it's, that is ad-supported, or there's the upgraded version where you don't have to sit through commercials.
1: The ads on Hulu, I tried that version originally, are so intrusive. It's like every four or five minutes. It's wild. It was literally at the point where I was trying to remember back to where we watched TV (laughs) and it had commercials. And I was trying to remember, were the commercials in TV as frequent as this? And if so, how did we ever deal with that? The
0: problem I think with Hulu specifically, because I'm still watching the ad supported version is that it is the same ads every single time. I wasn't going to buy this product the first 18 times you showed it to me. I am actively going to start campaigning against it now that you've shown it to me 36 times.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I pretty much just on principle refuse to buy anything that I'm shown. Even if I wanted it, I I would have bought this, but then you advertised it to me. You're such a rebel. I know. <laughs> <laughs> making my own way in the world. <laughs> and this is potentially, you know, this section of our episode, we're talking Twitter, good or bad. But to bring it back to Elon Musk, this is potentially a benefit of Twitter being owned by a billionaire. Profit doesn't have to be his motivation. Uh, if he's got $43 billion to throw around buying this platform and he's got all of his other companies making him money. He has the capacity, whether or not the motivation is there, he has the capacity to just use Twitter to cause some good in the world and eliminate some of these problems we've been talking about.
0: Perhaps, or this might be one of the opportunities he has to own a company that generates profit under its own steam rather than through investors. I still think that there is an issue with the profitability of many of his other businesses and the products that he's putting out via Tesla are still very unreliable. Twitter's kind of a proven cash cow. So perhaps the profit motive is amped up when he's looking at Twitter.
1: Mm. So is he buying this to improve democracy? Is he buying this to... Improve public discourse, or is he just buying this to finally make some real money? None of that matters because he's trying to back out. <laughs> but at least initially, what were his motivations? Not sure.
0: I still think it's probably something to feed his ego.
1: Could be, or he just got high. He's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to eat Krispy Kreme donut and buy Twitter.
0: Is that when he was on Joe Rogan's podcast and like tried a joint, and he's like, I should buy Twitter?
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> And then once he came back down again, like, um, maybe that wasn't the best idea. I've made a huge mistake. So there's a discussion about whether or not Twitter is good for us, society at large, democracy, but also Twitter alongside Facebook becoming people's go-to place for news. I think there's a question of whether or not Twitter is good or bad for journalism as an industry.
0: Twitter is certainly responsible for undercutting quite a bit of the profitability of media right now. There are plenty of companies who've made a transition from print media to digital quite successfully. But if you're able to get a really quick summary of what happened on the news without having to actually subscribe to any publication, why would you subscribe to anything? I think it's a different model than like streaming television because you can't really summarize the entire third season of Gilmore girls in a few tweets. I mean, I could try, I could probably do a pretty good job of it, but it's not the same, but a news article just said a quick current event issue from the New York times can probably really quickly get summed up in a tweet.
1: Yeah. I think that it seems weird to me when I look at an article, I click on an article and it's behind a paywall. Anything that's just basic news. I know I can find for free somewhere. So the only thing I'm really paying for is that particular New York Times, Washington Post, whoever, that particular organization's op-ed articles, their writers' specific opinions. But as the journalism industry just fails, I found the quality of the writing just seems to be getting worse and worse, which snowballs. Now, I'm, I'm not going to pay to read a poorly written article with poorly thought out conclusions. And because of that, they can't hire quality authors, quality reporters, and this just kind of spirals downward. It doesn't bode well for the journalism industry as a whole. And a lot of that, I think, has to do with social media apps, Twitter being obviously one of them.
0: Obviously, people crave news and the people who are reposting the news on Twitter to get traction on Twitter need the news. As the source of what is giving them the clout when they're able to summarize an issue really quickly. So, if the news completely disappears as an organization, as an industry, as a publication, there's gonna be nothing left, except I guess citizen journalism. And who wants to do anything? Who wants to actually go out and investigate something?
1: Not me. Nope. Even though we do that for every episode of the show,
0: we do so much research, we are probably responsible for a lot of ad revenue on a lot of different publications.
1: Retweet us. All right. So we've got Twitter as it is untouched by Mr. Musk. Is it good or bad? If it is good with some hesitation, is there something we can do about those hesitations, right? Can we clean up some of the problems that Twitter has? And if that is possible, do we think that Elon Musk is the person to do it. I'll get us all the good of Twitter without any of the bad.
0: Twitter is an imperfect platform now, and it will probably stay about as imperfect if Elon Musk were to lead it. I think there are some changes that it could implement that would improve the platform quite a bit that other social media platforms do utilize. I'm thinking specifically of TikTok, which has a lot of criticism because it you know, sells Consumer data, and it probably also is responsible for a ton of the echo chamber issues. But they will preemptively take a video and put it under review before they let you release it if there's any suspicion that there's any dangerous or insightful rhetoric on the video itself. I know that personally because I posted a video of my cats chasing bubbles around my living room and it got put under review. before it could be released. So they're being overly cautious with the kind of information they're letting on the platform. And I think Twitter could do the same and take a more proactive stance on making sure that the rhetoric on the website is at least not inciting hate and at least not spreading misinformation before those accounts have the opportunity to, rather than only doing it doing it as a reactive action to that content already being posted. The closest I think it's come is that when people are drafting a tweet, when they go to hit send, they'll put up a, hey, other Twitters don't tweet like this warning to make you kind of rethink whether or not you want to actually say the F word, I guess. But that's not sufficient. People are still going to post those tweets. So it's an imperfect place. Currently, it could become better. I don't, I'm not leaving no matter what. So it's not going to affect me too much one way or the other if Elon Musk actually has to be at the helm, because I've put up with a lot of unpleasantness there, and I guess I'll just continue to.
1: Mm. I actually think, and this is just more my personality as an anarchist, (laughs) I want to see the world burn. I would have liked to seen what he would do with it. I think for a lot of these things to change, whether it's Twitter, whether it's Facebook, social media, news in general, politics in general, democracy in general, these slight changes, moving the line at which we ban somebody or something a little bit left, a little bit right, none of that's actually going to make a difference. Like We're, we're beyond that. I think that there has to be radical shakeups of the institutions that make up our society for anything to happen. That's why I voted for Bernie anyway. Um, but in terms of uh, Twitter, I think somebody like Elon Musk is one of the only people who would potentially do enough to cause a real change. So, you know, a little disappointed that in all likelihood uh, he's going to be let out of the deal. He'll probably have to pay a billion or two dollars at the worst, and uh, that's the last we'll hear of it. So, if Twitter is going to be left alone, do I think it's a positive or a negative thing? Uh, it's hard to say. I think it's it's a bit of a chicken or an egg dilemma, I think that everything that happens on Twitter also happens in society at large. And I think that a social media platform where we, we literally, I bet every single person, this is kind of cheating because you're listening to the podcast, but I think everybody listening to this right now has their phone within arm's reach. And that gives them immediate access to whatever they're thinking, whatever they're doing, whatever they want to say can be put out there right now. And so, what we see on Twitter, I think, is highly reflective of what's happening in our own minds as a society. So, does Twitter alter those thoughts? Yes. But do those thoughts originate with us? Also, yes. Does that make Twitter good, bad, or just a reflection of us? Not sure. If you want to give us your opinion, though, what I do know Twitter can do is give you a place to do that. You can follow us or retweet us or at us or any of the things the kids do nowadays at Twitter or on Facebook at IndubitablyPod and let us know what you think of this whole issue. And since it's been a few episodes, we know it's always annoying when people do this, but speaking of crowdsourcing and ratings, on both Apple Podcasts and Spotify, you can rate or review the show, and we always appreciate it when you do. It helps us out in the algorithms, it helps get us out into the world so that we can be the chicken- or the egg, and help form the opinions of society around us. And we promise to be responsible about it. Ish. You do. (laughs) Half of us promise to be responsible about it. (laughs)